When you visit a state as big and diverse as Texas, there are a million different trips you can take. Let's say you've got an appetite for whitewater kayaking. You can get your own. So this is why they call it Devil's River. Trip to Texas. Or maybe you have an actual appetite. I'll take a pound of brisket, six ribs, uh, three links of sausage, and a, a piece of pecan pie. Trip to Texas. Go to TravelTexas.com slash get your own for the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no heart, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hello, Daniel. I'm Lindsay Luhu. Lindsay Luhu. And Daniel. <laughs> and Daniel Duhu. <laughs> Daniel Duhu. It's better than Daniel Dudu. It's a little bit better than Dudu. Than Danny Dudu. <laughs> uh, only one quick announcement today. No. How, how about well, that? look at you. Just one fast one, and then we're, we're off, on, off to the races. Woo, woo, woo. Let's go. Uh, brand new Potion Master tee and sweatshirt uh, in the Bad Magic store. I love a good sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. You I do. I really do. I, it, yeah, oh, Cozy. Man, yeah. Uh, spells and potions, blood and wings and amulets and eyeballs and spooky things. All at badmagicmerch.com. I just burped. Yikes. It's so, we just talked about this on the last episode. Yeah. The moment that mic gets in front of me, it's like, You're you guys f- are so lucky I have a mute box under here. <laughs> so I can do all the burps. Oh, man. You uh, don't have one. I know. We never could get one to work on this oh, side. It was, it was just cursed over here. Huh? Uh, how many stories uh, do you have today, uh, Lindsay Luhu? Uh, I have two. I have a doppelganger story. Oh, we haven't had one of those in a while. I know, I know. And it's uh, yeah, yeah. this uh, Annie from Chicago. She writes in this story about you know these doppelganger, that a reoccurring doppelganger in her life. Okay. So I think that's a little interesting. Like intermittent? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a perfect word for it. And then we're going to Ohio, kind of. Kind of, you'll find out. How, that, okay, that's interesting. That's, <laughs> well, it's like the, pers- the person's from Ohio, but ah. they live in Maine now. But the story <laughs> takes place in Ohio. Gotcha. So, I, <laughs> I don't know if it was some like uh, Ohio adjacent or like some weird like border Kentucky town. Or, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and in that we uh, also have like a weird, uh, very creepy physical encounter. Okay. Yeah, the physical encounters are always the most uh, upsetting. Oh, God. It just gave me chills thinking about like something reaching out in the night and touching me. I have a physical... Well, actually, both of today's... Uh, uh, one's physical encounter for sure. Let's get physical. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that Olivia Newton-John? It sure is. Uh, and then the other one, physical-ish. 
I think I'd just say. Uh, so the first, the first takes us to Dallas, Texas, mm, mm-hmm. where a traveling businessman has a long travel day turn into a true nightmare when he meets a stranger at a hotel bar. Uh, fun and scary story set in one of my favorite horror locations, which is just a haunted hotel. Oh, yeah. Love it. Uh, next, we head to upstate New York to explore the legend of the flying head. This one's out there. I would, I would classify it as a cryptid, I guess. Uh, it's a wild tale. I, I hope it's not true. Uh, if so, a pair of hunters had a bloody encounter with a monster, something supposed to be nothing more than an old Native American legend. Hmm. Are you ready to get started? Get your socks? I got little fuzzy... Little puppies little, or something. puppy dogs. That's very cute. Puppy dog. <laughs> no setup at all for this first one. Oh, okay. So I'll get cozy right away. Yeah, you get cozy. Okay, we're go just gonna, for it. We're going to jump right in. Go, Dan, go. Uh, time now for the tale of you never know when you're safe. I'd only checked in about two hours earlier. My flight to Dallas had been delayed. I hadn't got to the hotel until about 9 p.m. I'd flown into town for what was supposed to be a quick business trip. I had about six hours worth of meetings the following day, all downtown near my hotel, and then was set to fly back home. After throwing my stuff in my room, being pretty damn disappointed in the late-night in-room dining options, I took the elevator back down to the lobby, headed out to a local restaurant that was serving until 10 p.m. Great little steakhouse, only a block away, thank God. After enjoying a wonderful meal, nothing beats a good New York strip, and after a long day of airplanes and airports, I walked back to my hotel and found the the stylish little hotel bar still open but almost deserted. So I decided to grab a nightcap to help wind down and prepare for what I had hoped at that point was going to be a great night's sleep. After knocking back a Basil Hayden Manhattan, I was about to call tonight. Everyone else had left. It was just me and the bartender. Marcus, I think his name was. It was last call. I ordered another Manhattan, watched some sports highlights on the TV behind the bar, and then a few minutes later, Marcus said goodnight, and I left uh, to head... Oh, and left home to set, and left to head home, saying uh, that I was welcome to stay as long as I liked and finish my drink since the open bar area was connected to the hotel lobby. Right after Marcus left, that's when I noticed him for the first time. Henry, he said his name was. He was sitting at the other end of the bar. I never saw him walk up, never saw him order a drink, but he was holding what looked like an old-fashioned. And now he was standing up and walking my way. Mind if I join you? Name's Henry. Nice to meet you, Henry. Pull up a seat. I'm Paul. Henry looked like he was in town for a business meeting as well. He had on a nice suit, some vintage Edward Green shoes that must have set him back a couple thousand dollars. He looked to be somewhere in his 40s. Good-looking guy. What do you do, Henry? I asked. I used to be an investment banker, he said. Said it somewhat wistfully, I thought. Enjoying an early retirement now? Yeah, he said, smirking a bit. Something like that. How about you? Pharmaceuticals. I work as a liaison for Parexel and a few big pharma companies, coordinate the clinical trial process. Henry's gaze started to wander as most people did when I actually tried to explain what my job entailed. The work was pretty interesting for the few who understood it, but apparently boring as hell to the rest of the world. You have a family? He suddenly asked. Yeah, I said, three kids with my wife. Oldest is a girl, two boys. Enjoy him, he said again with a wistful note. And then he stared right at me intensely before adding... You never know when it can all go away. He flashed a hint of a smile when he said that, uh, one I didn't like. Didn't like his stare or his tone either. And I liked what he said next less. You never know when you can go away. Yeah, yeah, I guess not, I responded flatly as I started to pick up the pace of finishing my drink. I suddenly was real ready for bed. This guy was crazy. It's quite a world, isn't it? Henry now pontificated before finishing the rest of his drink. You can be on top of it one second and think you have it all figured out. And then just BAM! Just like that, you're gone. After slamming down his glass in the bar, he started laughing maniacally. So loud, it was embarrassing. I looked around to see who might be watching us. The only other person in the lobby was the night clerk who didn't even look up to see what was going on. 
You should see the look on your face, Marcus, Henry added, still laughing. Sorry if I'm bringing down your evening, or bringing down your evening. I'm just kidding around. Or am I? More laughing. This guy was nuts. Now I was really ready for bed. This guy genuinely seemed mentally unstable. His eyes had changed since we first started talking. They seemed a little darker now, just with that look of crazy. He was staring at me like he wanted to break his glass against the bar, then use what was left to slash my throat or something. Nice to meet you, Henry, I said coolly after taking a big swig to finish my drink. Been a long day, got a longer day tomorrow. I'm going to call tonight. I think I'll do the same, Paul, he said, flashing a big predatory smile, reminding me of a wild animal snarl as he got up. All my days are long, longest. It's like they never end. And then he laughed abruptly and loudly, loudly once more. Again, I looked over at the night clerk, who still didn't seem to notice or care that there was a guy in the lobby laughing like he was a dangerous patient who had just escaped from some nearby asylum. Henry now followed me over to the elevator. I was not happy about that, but just a few more uncomfortable moments, and then I could lock myself in my room. I figured at this point he was going to follow me uh, into the elevator, and he did not disappoint. What floor, I asked. You first, he said. You first? Who says that in an elevator? Jesus, so creepy. Now I was starting to genuinely worry about this guy. Was I safe? Was he going to attack me in the elevator? Two middle-aged men duking it out? I pushed the 14th floor. He raised up his eyebrows saying, good choice. Me too. Safe travels. I was just about to ask him what the hell that meant when the elevator doors closed and the lights went out. Now I was thinking, you have to be kidding me. Was I really stuck in a dark elevator with this complete madman? Did the power just go out? I asked. Henry said nothing. Hey man, I was now fuming. What are you doing? Still nothing. I took up my phone and shuddered. The glow revealed no one with me. <gasps> I quickly pushed the flashlight button to take a better look. Absolutely no one. I was impossibly alone. My heart was racing. A cold sweat broke out on my face. The lights flickered back on. The elevator started to rise. Who had I just been talking to? A few moments later, literally shaking, I stepped out of the elevator, walked quickly down the hall to my room. I shut the door as fast as I could and threw the locking bolt down. You just really never know when you're safe, do you, Paul? I spun around and was face to face with Henry again. He was somehow in my room. He looked a lot worse than he did back in the elevator or at the bar. The right upper half of his head was bashed in. He was missing his eye. Blood and brains looked like skull fragments flooded down onto his shoulder. One minute you're on top. The next someone takes it away. Why am I still here? He was screaming into my face, screaming. I spun around. I scrambled, unlocked the door and exit. Sure, at any moment he'd grab me from behind and kill me. I made it out, raced down the hall, straight to the emergency stairway, started heading down 14 flights of stairs several times i almost tripped thought i was going to fall and break my neck the whole way down i could hear him behind me every few flights he would yell why am i here paul or join me and unleash some maniacal laugh i'd never flown downstairs that fast before in my life i finally made it to the first floor bursting through the door sweating out of breath now i had the night clerk's attention he popped around the desk ran towards me sir are you okay I was so out of breath it was hard to talk, but I pointed towards the door, was able to get across that someone was chasing me. Then I fell down onto the floor and my vision started to fade. I thought I was having a heart attack. I was having some sort of heart attack. I almost died on that lobby floor and was less scared of dying than I was of being trapped in that hotel with a psychopath, psychopath for God knows how long. Forever, maybe? Right before I lost consciousness, I saw him standing above me. I saw the clerk kneeling down, calling for an ambulance, and he stood behind him, laughing. I'm pretty sure the last thing I heard in that hotel was him saying, see you soon, Paul. Needless to say, I missed my meetings the next day. I woke up in the hospital, narrowly avoiding heart surgery. Apparently, I'd presented all the symptoms of a heart attack. It was like I'd had a heart attack. I died actually for about a minute, but the ambulance had gotten there really quickly. Once I was in it, I sucked in air, came back to life, and my vitals quickly stabilized. The ER doctor said they'd never seen anything like it. 
They had no explanation for what happened to me, and I can't explain it either. But I know Henry had everything to do with it. I never returned to that hotel, but I did a lot of research over the next few weeks, called and spoke with several hotel employees who were eager to entertain my questions in the hopes that I would not try and sue them for almost dying in the lobby. And a shift manager, Gus, who'd worked there for 30 years, told me that not long before his time, he'd heard about a guy who he thought was named Henry who'd been killed in his room. He thought maybe it was even on the 14th floor, possibly the room I stayed in, some big exec who'd been robbed had his head bashed in. And every so often, never as intense as mine, Gus had heard of guests seeing what sounded like the same ghost. He hadn't heard any stories for probably 20 years, though. Something about me just seems to have woken him up. How lucky. Ever since, whenever I travel for work, I make sure to look up my hotel, be certain there are no stories about hauntings. I also try and stay in places I'd be okay staying in for a long, long time. I doubt Henry thought he'd be staying there forever. If I might die on the road, I might as well die somewhere that wouldn't be too bad to haunt, right? Well, that's morbid. <laughs> that's a sad, morbid end. <laughs> well, you should well, start staying at the Ritz Carlton, Paul. I mean, really make it worth it. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna die in a hotel, I guess die in a nice hotel. Well, I guess. You know, I'd rather haunt the Ritz Carlton than Motel Six. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Just better scenery. <laughs> Uh, yeah, That's who knows? A wild story. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Uh, again, like most of these, I hope it's not true. I mean, I never thought about a ghost chasing you so aggressively that you have a heart attack. I know. I, I guess we. I guess we haven't had that detail come up before, and I'm actually no. surprised. Because why don't? Well, we know what though. Maybe if you have a heart attack and die of the heart attack, nobody knows. Right. Right. Because, There's got to be. I mean, literally scared to death. Truly, yeah. I mean, well, there and there has been. Oh man, I can't remember right now. But we have. I have either looked at, uh, at stories or told stories here, where somebody was either scared, to death, you know, rumored to be scared to death. But I know that there's examples know, we, of that. We've had some inklings, and it, it only makes sense. I mean, there's so story, so many stories of so many people getting so so scared. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, when your adrenaline and everything kicks in, it's like. I would think that would, I mean, that would, that would increase the risk if you have a, well, on right. the edge of a heart attack anyway, that would push you over the edge. Well, and he did run 14 flights of stairs. Oh my God. I would have a heart attack if I went down or up 14, like fast. Yeah. I, I was just thinking about what a klutz I am. I'm like, oh, by floor 10, I'm dead. Yeah. Going down quickly, I probably would have fallen and died. Mm-hmm. Going up quickly, uh, I mean, probably heart attack. Mm-hmm. Or or more likely, I would just collapse. <laughs> Lack of breath. Mm-hmm. I would be so tired that like when you get that tired, you're just like, just kill me. Oh man! Like you just—you're so exhausted. You're just like whatever. Ugh, that was ugh, hotel. You like haunted hotels? I do not, because to me, a hotel is a place to escape. It's a refuge. Yes, and I don't want my refuge inhibited by anybody else. <laughs> True. Fair. Okay. Do you have uh, photos? Uh, I do. It okay. has nothing to do with this story. Just a little of palate cleanser. Not. Okay. No, just something nice. Oh, this cute puppy and raincoat. <laughs> that is so cute. Oh my god! Yeah. After the otter story. I got so many emails about how aggressive and evil otters are. What? I'm not kidding. There was some guy in Pennsylvania. He looks so cute. Well, they're not. He was bit by a like a family. Like he was bit 26 times by like a 26 times. He said family of otters. Oh my no, it god! It was a news article. Someone forwarded me the article. Oh, so, oh, somebody forwarded you. The, that's even crazy. 20. Yeah. Like like it will be in your news feed. I bet if you went onto your like oh Apple news feed and just searched otters, you wouldn't believe it. it. Yeah, it's there. But then somebody else and then somebody else said they do like animal rabid. animal rehoming, you know, like where they're mm-hmm. not where they're supposed to be and said, "Yeah, those fuckers are mean." Like so cute, so mean. 
God, they're like raccoons. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But then someone sent me a sweet fact. And do you know that when otters sleep, they hold hands so they don't oh float away? God. Are you serious? That's adorable. That's so cute. <laughs> so see, it balances. Well, you know, you're cute and fierce. Yeah. Well, I get it. Yeah. You're, yeah. cute, you're cute and fierce. Exactly. Don't uh, fuck with me. <laughs> I, I, I will kill you. <laughs> uh, so are you ready to leave the crazy hotel story? <gasps> Ooh, yeah. That was a lot. You want to explore an even crazier tale? Well, now I feel like this is going to be a weird, like, trip that we're about to go on. Yeah, this is wild. Yeah. I feel like I'm really going to have to let go for this one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I got that vibe. Yeah, yeah. Very much so. Very okay. much so. Okay. Suspen- go. Suspension of disbelief on this next one. Uh, off to okay. upstate New York we go. Right after today's sponsor break. No matter what you're a fan of, Texas has the trip for you. There's the... <laughs> trip to Texas. And the... trip or maybe you're the kind of fan who'd prefer a trip to texas or a trip either way go to traveltexas.com slash get your own for the only trip to texas that matters yours travel is great but planning for travel can be time consuming and difficult that's where one travel comes in with one travel you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel. Lemon, lime, and a drop of cherry make a simple Shirley. But what happens when Tito's handmade vodka reveals this sweet sipper's dirty secret? Stir up a Tito's dirty Sherlock and crack the case with Tito's at titosvodka.com. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. Thanks for listening to our sponsor deals. Hope one or more spoke to you and you get something you love for a great price. A uh, decent amount of setup on this one. Need some backstory to get our heads around this monster. Uh, the Flying Head is a murderous, cannibalistic spirit prominently featured in Iroquois and uh, Wyandotte legends from the area of around present-day upstate New York. The legend varies a bit from tribe to tribe, telling to telling uh, the original tribe who handed the legend down to other peoples uh, has been lost. But all the stories feature a flying head, sometimes two, cursed with an insatiable hunger. The most often appear looking like a human head with long, stringy, dark hair, terrible eyes, and a mouth full of sharp teeth. Some reportedly also have wings, and legends say that the flying heads can be larger in size than that of the tallest man, possessing a hide that no weapon can penetrate. A true monster. One origin story of the flying head comes from the Debar Wilderness area from the uh, Adirondack Mountains of northeastern upstate New York. A tribe in the region was suffering a great famine— and the younger members wanted to leave their traditional lands and search for a new area to settle. The old warriors insisted on staying. They reasoned that if they died, at least they would die with honor. They told the younger warriors that the famine was a scourge, which the master of life had inflicted upon their people for their crimes, and that if the punishment were endured, it would pass. But if they ran from it, misery would then follow them forever. The old men added that they would rather perish by inches on their native hills than leave their land forever. The legend goes on to say that the young men then became enraged. 
They felt this decision unfair. The old men had already lived so much of their lives. It was easier for them to make their peace with the strong possibility of death coming soon. The two sides argued until violence broke out, and then the younger warriors killed their elders. When the carnage was over, the young warriors felt guilty over what they'd done, and they feared the old gods would punish them further. They wished to somehow sanctify their dark deed by offering up the bodies of their elders to the master of life, a sacrifice. In accordance with some customs lost to history, they decapitated the bodies, burned everything but the heads, then sunk the heads together to the bottom of the lake, or of a lake, whose banks their village was built upon. And one of the young chiefs who'd led the attack against the elders died when he became entangled in the ropes that bound the heads together, and he drowned. Shortly following his death, bubbles and slime began to appear on the surface of the lake, and then out from the lake came a hideous monster, a giant head with wings. This monster served as a symbol of the young warrior's misdeeds, and it has haunted their ancestral lands ever since. And according to legend, it has killed and ate countless warriors who could neither kill nor escape the flying head that their massacre, or the massacre of their ancestors, had brought into the woods. Pretty cool piece of folklore, but does it have any basis in actual events? Uh, the legend of flying head or heads is, of course, largely regarded as a myth from ancient times, an old story that never actually happened. A moral tale, morality tale, uh, told by elders to their young to remind them, you know, to respect their words just because they were stronger, younger, didn't mean they could overthrow them without some kind of divine retribution. However, few modern encounter stories hidden deep on the web allege that perhaps there's more to this crazy story than legend. Could there be any truth to monstrous spectral flying heads hunting deep in the Dabar wilderness? Let's suspend your disbelief and time now for the tale of Attacked by a Monster. I was woken up, not by the rising sun, but by a rough shake to my shoulder. Casey, wake up, my brother James said above me. I groaned, throwing an arm over my face until I remembered today was the first weekend of hunting season. Excitement surged through me, and I sat up in bed. We've been planning this for weeks and both had the whole weekend off work. We were positive we could fill our deer tags and feast the coming winter. We had a great hunting spot lined up. I got dressed, ate a quick breakfast, hopped in my old truck with my brother. We were going to the Dabar Mountain Wilderness, great whitetail location. My brother and I drove to the closest parking lot to our designated hunting grounds. I saw a few other cars, but it wasn't as busy as uh, I was worried it might be. Just myself, James, and a few other hunters. Not too much competition. Hopefully these other hunters would just flush the deer out of their hiding spots and send them running towards me. This would be perfect. We have to go deep into the woods, James said, snapped me out of my thoughts. I was talking to Dad last night. He thinks the deer will be retreating as far as they can go into the wilderness. They always seem to know when hunting season starts. It'll be a bit of a hike. I didn't mind. In preparation for hunting season, I had been on a big cardio kick, putting in hours on the treadmill when I couldn't make it outside, and hitting the hiking trails when I had some time off work. I was ready. We descended into the woods, leaving the quiet uh, morning behind us. The sounds of cars on the road faded as each minute passed. To me, being out in nature, at least before this happened, was true peace. Such a beautiful escape from regular life. I loved losing myself to the meditative state of hunting, waiting, watching, and preparing myself to strike with lethal accuracy at the perfect moment. James and I sat up and what he said was the perfect or set up and what he said was the perfect spot. We were totally concealed by the brush, and there was plenty of potential deer food around us. And due to our position on the peak of a little ridge, we had great visibility. We could see over 50 yards in almost every direction. If we were quiet and hit our scents, hopefully a nice buck would come wandering by soon. But that didn't happen. Three hours passed with nothing. Not even a squirrel came into our area. It was like we were in a complete dead spot despite the abundant vegetation around us. It was already noon. We'd have to move if we wanted to shoot anything today. We should go deeper into the woods, James, I said. We're not getting anywhere uh, here. James agreed. I was a skilled tracker, or the skilled tracker between the two of us, so I started doing my best to track. 
I scanned the ground carefully, looking for droppings, hoof prints, or any other signs that a whitetail may have passed through or bedded down recently. Thankfully, our decision to move paid off. I spotted a tiny deer trail a few yards ahead, leading even deeper into the woods. I looked up to tell James to follow me when I paused. Just to my left were a series of trees with huge gouge marks in them, as if something with massive claws or talons had dug its feet in and pulled. Large chunks of branches and leaves were missing from the trees, too. What the hell? I wondered. This wasn't grizzly bear country, or at least hadn't been for centuries. And some of the markings were so high in the air, as if something with wings had torn its way through. I had never seen one, but supposedly some bald eagles lived in the area, and they were big birds, but they didn't wreck trees like this. I racked my brain for what kinds of other large birds could live nearby. I came up with a few different ideas, but nothing even remotely as big as whatever must have damaged those trees. James saw me looking and followed my gaze. He did a double take. What the fuck? Could that have been some kind of eagle? Maybe a vulture? He said. I shook my head. I don't know. We silently agreed to continue on, following the little deer trail. We soon settled down in a new spot, rifles ready, but something had changed. The energy in the air felt different. I'm not sure how exactly to describe it, but there seemed to be some sort of tension. I found myself feeling anxious, waiting for something to happen. Good or bad, I didn't know, but I just had a tense, jittery feeling I couldn't shake. After 30 minutes of waiting, luck finally arrived. I heard leaves rustling ahead of me. A moment later, I saw it. Massive four-point buck stepped out from the woods into a little grassy clearing. He was perfectly calm, his breath clouding in the chilly air, his black eyes bright and glassy. He bent his head down to sniff the ground, looking for a good meal, no doubt. Poor guy had no idea it was his last... I exchanged a glance with James. He nodded his head. He'd gotten a buck first last year, so he was deferring to me for the shot. As silently as possible, I readied my rifle. Flipping off the safety, lining up my shot, placing my finger on the trigger, I took a deep, centering breath and prepared myself to pull. And then a loud screech overhead made both James and I jump. It wasn't quite like the caw of an eagle or the screech of a hawk, but something deeper, louder like no animal I'd heard before. I heard the pounding of massive wings flapping through the air overhead, but when I looked up to the skies, there was nothing, just the trees above. James and I exchanged another look. I sighed, upset that this bird had ruined my perfect shot, but when I turned back, the buck was still there in the same spot I last saw him. It was completely silent now, but the noise should have been should it was completely silent now, but the noise earlier should have sent the deer running. Why hadn't he fled? I quickly readied my rifle and aimed again and I hesitated before pulling the trigger. The deer wasn't looking at me, with the barrel of my rifle pointed at it, promising impending doom. The deer was staring off into the distance. I could see the animal shaking. That meant only one thing. We were not the only predator out here. James now grabbed my arm, roughly scaring me enough that I let out a small noise of surprise. A big whoosh sounded overhead like the uh, flapping of giant wings again. We both turned to the source of the noise, and about 30 feet in the air, we saw what I can only describe as a human head. A large human head. Long, oily black hair, hollow pale eyes, skin dropping off the skull, old sagging flesh. Around the cheeks or ears were tubes which resembled the bottom of a leek. It had massive bat-like wings, and it said nothing. Just hovered there for a moment watching us. Its eyes fixed firmly upon us. It now let out a low, agonizing moan. Instinct kicked in. Although James and I had trained with our guns for years, a voice in my head was screaming at me not to aim my rifle but to run. So I did, and the sound of shrieking followed me. Suddenly, I felt something crunch under my foot, tripped over a branch, fell face first into the dirt. Pain seared to my ankle, up through my leg as I attempted to turn and sit up straight. I looked up, and the head was coming closer. I couldn't stand up. I had done something, uh, and my leg was burning with pain. James saw that I'd fallen and ran back towards me. Putting an arm around my shoulder so he could help take my weight, he slowly managed to pull me to the ground, though we both froze in shock when we heard that agonizing shriek almost right above us. Get up! James yelled at me, pulling me as hard as he could. Whoosh! Right above us again. 
Another shriek and I was suddenly in agonizing pain, sharp, searing ribbons of pain striking my leg now. The creature had dug into me with his talons. It had locked onto my leg, was flapping massive wings, stirring up clouds of dirt as it dragged me backwards. I screamed and clawed at the dirt, trying to grab perches. James screamed as well and pulled me with all his strength, but he was no match for the strange creature. It quickly overpowered both of us, dragging me back into the woods. I didn't stop fighting. I continued grabbing onto anything I could. Trees, rocks, anything to try and stop it. My hands were soon shredded, blood covering everything I touched. I could feel it dripping down my leg from places where the head's talons had pierced my skin. I couldn't even flip around to try and grab my rifle. Casey! James bellowed. I could see him about 30 yards away. He was chasing us, trying to save me. James! I shouted as loud as I could. Shoot! I saw James quickly lift his rifle and aim. He had to hurry with every second that passed as being dragged further away. Bang! The shot echoed all around us. I closed my eyes, waiting for it to hit me. The creature screeched, beating its wings frantically, hitting me a few times, and then it flew off into the forest, leaving me dirty and bleeding on the forest floor. I heard James's footsteps crashing to the brush as he approached. Oh my God, Casey, are you okay? His voice shook, his eyes wide in terror as he looked over at my shredded leg. I paused before answering. My ankle was throbbing, most likely broken. My wrist, too. My hands and legs bleeding. I probably needed a tetanus shot. God knows what kind of diseases that thing carried. But no life-threatening injuries. I was going to make it out okay. I told James I was fine. He helped me up. We both scanned the forest around us, making sure that thing wasn't lurking. And it had disappeared. And the forest was so quiet, peaceful, like nothing had ever happened. The only reminder were the drag marks in the dirt spotted with my blood. We made our way back to a hiking trail as quickly as possible, then the truck. I was exhausted, could barely hold myself up by the time we got there. At this point, we were the only truck in the parking lot. Thank God, I didn't want to raise any alarms, answer any questions. James got into the driver's seat, took me to the nearest hospital, a long, agonizing drive. I swore that as we pulled out of the parking lot onto the road, I heard an angry shriek in the distance. I know James heard it too from the way his grip tightened on the steering wheel. I said nothing, and he didn't either. We eventually made it to the hospital. I told the nurses I'd been attacked by a bobcat. I knew no one would believe the truth. I was given stitches, an ankle brace, and sent home with instructions to rest and recover, as well as a pamphlet about wildlife safety. James and I never spoke of what we saw in the forest that day again. What was there to say? Neither one of us quite knew what we saw, or if it was even real. Were we imagining things? Was the creature really what, as we saw it? Better not to think about it, I decided. It's too confusing, too terrifying. That day, we went out as hunters, ended up as prey. Gave me an interesting perspective on everything, being on the other side of that game. Didn't turn me into not being a hunter, though. I decided that no matter what, I wasn't going to stop going into those woods and hunting. It's been years now, and I haven't seen or heard that creature again. Haven't heard its strange cries in the distance. The only time it seems to appear is at night in my dreams, when that haggard old head with his powerful wings swoops down on me and drags me into the darkness. What? Weird story, right? Really weird. Mm -hmm. It shows up in a lot of different like tribes' legends. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a folklore or a legend that I hadn't ever heard before. It made me think like somewhere around here in your kaggle of uh, squishies, mm -hmm. you have like a shrinking head kind of looking guy. Oh yeah, that okay. Emerson sent you. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Where I gotta find him. Uh, do you want to see some pictures about this sure. uh, this area? This uh, this first one is the the Debar Mountain Wilderness. Uh, more than 30, Beautiful. yeah, 30 named peaks in that wilderness area. Numerous lakes, very pretty. Yeah, really pretty. Uh, upstate New York, I mean, New York, it does have, kind of reminds me of California with so much variety. Mm -hmm, yes. Big cities and then just like really rural areas too, and really yeah. scenic. Uh, this is a pic of one of the lakes near the base of one of the mountains. Oh yeah, that doesn't look real. It looks mm -hmm. like clouds. Right. Well, it's clouds reflected in the water, yeah. I believe. 
Yeah, it was like a little bit. I think I think those clouds above, just a great photo. That's a that's wild. It's messing with my equilibrium. <laughs> uh, this lake not named in the uh, source. Maybe maybe the lake where this legend originated. Uh, and then this next one, illustration of this uh, monster, this flying head found on on Holy Ugh. Service Bound on DeviantArt.com. Could you imagine? No. Just actually. that flying around with no. some bat wings attached to it? I would assume I'd just gone crazy. Too many shrooms? <laughs> Way too, too many. Too many drugs. Uh, <laughs> this next one, image is a little bit fuzzy. Couldn't figure out who the artist is or find one with better resolution. I just, oh, I just like this out of the Lord. flying head photos. That's also like, that looks like a flying centipede. <laughs> right, like that the long like hair. A, yeah. yeah. It does look like a flying centipede kind of. Yeah. Big head on the end. Blah. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, like like if I saw it's uh, like with like cryptids, you know, basically slash monsters. Uh-huh. Like if I saw one of them out somewhere, I would assume I had just gone crazy. <laughs> like like if I saw a ghost, I'd be on the fence. Dep- interesting, depending interesting. on how it kind of presented itself. Yeah. But I would, I, w- I think I would jump to paranormal first. Mm. If I saw something like that, I'd be like, oh, uh, uh, maybe I've died. Maybe I just, maybe, maybe like a second ago, I got hit in the head with a rock. <laughs> and this is some kind of like final process. Oh boy. Like now I've, now I'm, I've woke up in another place. But what happens when you snap to? And you know that you're in reality. Well, the work, you're not going to live the rest of your life thinking that you're dead or in some other reality. No, I, maybe I think I had like an aneurysm or something. Okay, after like all a, the tests come back and you're fine. <laughs> yeah, then that'd be weird. I mean, I mean, the, I mean, the craziest would be okay. Let's say the story is real, and you have a witness. I know that's the the two party system that always gets me. Mm-hmm. I, I would Buddy rather system. <laughs> I would rather see a, a ghost than a weird monster. Agreed. With or without someone else. I, th- I think I agree with that. Right, because with, again, I question my sanity, uh, you know, or without, I mean, if it's just me, but if I'm with other people, then I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, that thing is real? All bets are off. If that thing is, if that thing is real, if a flying head is is uh, is real, it can know, attack it's you. It's bothering me so much. I keep getting chills. Oh, all bets are off. Yeah. All bets are off. I had such a hard time, like when you were talking in the very beginning, like Adirondack, and yeah. you were talking about, you know, they they killed the elders, and yeah, I was like, was it about the chairs? It was like so hard for me not to like bring Adirondack chairs into it. <laughs> like that's like this somehow this mm-hmm. uh, legend ties into the origin story of Adirondack uh-huh. Adirondack chairs. Yep. And are those those chairs on people's decks? Yeah. So like they in the spring and summer they'll sell a plastic version of them at Home Depot, like in the where you, stacked up. Where you adjust the back so you can like lay flat or you, kind of sit up a little bit. You know the turquoise chairs that are on our back patio, like yeah, under the awning. Those yeah. are Adirondack. Oh, that's not what I was thinking of. I was thinking of um, those kind of chairs where you can like, like if you rented a cabana, and you can oh, lay that's a chase lounge. A chase lounge is what I was thinking or of. Or chaise. I was thinking of a chaise lounge. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. Adirondack, it's just a chair. Yeah. They're usually like wood and they're kind of like rounded at the top and they mm-hmm. usually have two pretty solid yeah. armrests. And I mean, there are slight variations on it, but not much. I mean, that's the that's the chair. Yeah. Okay. It's a classic. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. I just want to go backwards for one second. Yeah. I forgot in the first story uh-huh. that what I wanted to say was dope sick. Because you were talking, the guy was a pharmaceutical rep. <laughs> oh, it made you think yeah, we're like, finally watching oh, that? Dope yeah. Sick is so good. Yeah. That's all I'll say. So good. <laughs> we're only a few episodes in, too. I know. M just started watching it. So Liz is done. Oh, nice. You, me, M, Greg. We got stuff to do. <laughs> and all of our copious amounts of spare time. Perfect. I love it takes us like six months to watch one show. that it know. has about four episodes. <laughs> I know. I know. We did catch up on Yellowstone. Yeah. I, I thought that was the end. I know. It's you not tricked the end. Me. 
You t- you told me you sold me that it was this uh, series. I didn't look. I trusted you. You told me that it was you a series me. finale. No, nope. no. You told me when it came back. You said this is going to be it. Did I? Yes. For sure. One thousand fifty percent. Okay, I sold you, then forgot, <laughs> then trusted you when you resold it to me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but it's the, it was the, I was but like, I, I really I did like, think oh, that was going to be it. Me too. But, the, but then like with like 10 minutes left and we, the, like, we were like, there's a lot to wrap up here. And yeah. I mean, I guess there no is the chance that it'll be like Ozarks where maybe it's a two part final season. No, I think there's just a regular season five coming out. Huh? Joe, do you know, do you watch Yellowstone? I don't yeah. think you watch it. I do not, but we're going to start. It's good. We're going to start. Very good. Okay. We, we promised each other. <laughs> I just got to stop falling asleep. Oh, I know. I know. Well, you've got a lot going on. I think my dad's going to start watching Yellowstone. Oh, yeah. I bet he would like it. I think he'll like it, except for maybe Naked Beth in the the bathtub and the, on the farm. Oh, I think he'll like that. I, yeah, I, my dad gets weird about nudity. I'm not saying he won't like it, but he's like, he's a little like... Maybe no. he just tells you that. Or like, like if he's watching it by himself... Don't be weird. He might just take his pants off. Don't be weird, Dan. He's a man. Stop. He has needs. I know you sick, <laughs> gross human. I'm just saying that my that's like my dad. My dad is yeah. very, you know, private. Mm-hmm. Stop it. No, I didn't. Say, I didn't even say anything. <sighs> Dear tone. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. No, I think he'll. Yeah, he won't like that part. He'll be like, oh, get out of here. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Like, it makes he does like he doesn't like your comedy because you swear too much. <laughs> Fair. Okay, so like that's yeah. where my dad is. So like, mm-hmm. I think that show might be a little like, oh, that's a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes, he's going to love Naked Bath. Are you happy now? Yeah. For fuck's sake. This is my life. This is my life. So many concessions. Oh, man. Oh, dear. Okay. You ready, Squisher? I am. I'm going to sit on my hands for a second, warm up my fingers. I'm going to get a little cold. freezing in here. Do you want my blanket? Nope, I'm good. I'll share. I'm good. No, I'm, I'm good like like this. I'm comfortable. Okay. I know. It's free. I kept pulling the blanket. I was like, well, it's really <laughs> cold in here. All right. Well, let's go to the coldest, mm. Chicago. Yeah. I mean, I think it only gets colder in like Wisconsin. As far as like upper Midwest? Oh, yeah. Michigan's pretty bad too. Ugh, and Minnesota. But, There's a lot of cold, cold but, ass places. Oh, but Chicago, that it is wind, that wind. It cuts through you. You need like a head to toe, like I'm talking ground all the way up to like you could only see your eyes zip you in. Like just you know hope. Yeah. As uh-huh. hope. She went to Northwestern and mm-hmm. she like was like, I'm gonna be cute. And, he, and then she said a week later, she was like bundled up and she just looked like the Michelin man. She's a tiny human. <laughs> yeah. For, <laughs> I love that vision. It's, it's an awesome city, and I love that I've been there love it. a few times in the summer. But my first time to Chicago was in like the coldest part of the winter. Oh, I'm so sorry. And, and it was windy. Oh and, boy. And I just remember thinking like, why the fuck does anyone live here ever? I'm like, this is miserable. It's miserable. This is a terrible place to have a city. Well, I think that's why the bars are open really late. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, they're hardy people. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And good people. Good yeah, bars. Chicago, good Chicago for a real big city does have a, a, a nice friendly vibe. Mm-hmm, I dig it. Okay. Well, let's carry on with our Chicago situation. Mm-hmm. Our doppelgangers. All right. All right. Dear Dan and Lindsay. My story is true, and though it will not scare you to death, it will make you think twice about sleeping in the dark. I urge you and anyone listening to not take my account lightly. I stumbled down the rabbit hole recently, and I have no intentions of climbing my way out. I like it here. Your podcast plays all day in my secret Bluetooth earpiece at work and helps distract against the monotony and stress. The story I'm sharing with you is about a haunting. Mine, like you, Lindsay. Oh, oh. <laughs> The story I'm about to share with you is mine. I still can't get that line right. Let's try that one more time, just <laughs> okay, for fun. Okay, okay, okay. The story I'm sharing with you is about a haunting. Mine. Like you, Lindsay, Nailed I'm it. an empath and a bit witchy. I've also had enough bouts of psychic occurrences that I feel comfortable enough to call myself one. 
I wish I were the type of psychic that could see winning lotto numbers. Instead, I've been fated to see the dead and the like. Such occurrences, whether they be strange, distinct knocks from an empty room, or full-blown night terrors filled with shadow people that have plagued me since my childhood. The story I'm sharing with you involves what is known as a doppelganger. But let me assure you, what lurked in my room was nothing less than a demon. Time now for the story. I want to quickly say that I never played with a spirit board, and I've never done tarot or anything of the like. Though I consider myself a witch and a psychic, I don't mess with those things. I know what's on the other side of the veil, and I don't want anything that will risk that will involuntarily risk invitation. My family and I moved into our home a few years ago. It's small, but lovely. I opted to take the somewhat unfinished bedroom in the basement to avoid conflict with my other siblings. I don't like fighting unless I have to. <laughs> Historically, with my night terrors and nesting dreams, I would prefer to sleep with a light on. But being who I am, I combated my fear of the dark and that which attacks me while I sleep by going to bed with no lights on and the bedroom door shut. One night, however, changed this routine forever. One night, about three years ago in February, I decided to be brave and sleep in the dark. There's only one window in my room, and we live near the boonies, so at night there is no light seeping into the space. I woke from a dead sleep, but couldn't make out what woke me, until that something turned on the lamp on my dresser. It was my mom. Bless her heart. She came to check on me and turned the light on for me. I saw her twist the knob of a second lamp and heard it click on. Then my mother opened the door and left. I ignored the fact that my mom didn't seem quite like my mom. A few nights later, I woke up in the middle of the night again. I heard rustling and shuffling in my room, too loud to be a mouse and too rhythmic to be the house settling. The sound would shift from one end of the room to the other. At one point, I heard a ladder scraping across the cement floor. For some reason, just like when my mom turned on the lamps, something inside of me told me to stay still and pretend I was asleep. This instinct was 100 times stronger on this night. My room was pitch black, but the door was slightly ajar, letting in the tiniest bit of warm light. And that's when I saw him. My dad. Of course it was my dad. There was a tile that kept falling from the ceiling, so my dad must have come to fix it. At three in the morning, while the entire house was asleep? <laughs> my dad didn't seem quite like my dad. He shuffled about, fiddled with the ceiling tile, and wandered with purpose from one side of the room to the other. I should mention that at the other end of my room is a storage area with a partition. That's where my dad kept disappearing to. Why is my dad working on the ceiling at three in the morning? Why is he working in the dark? Something wasn't right, and I knew it. I lay silent and still pretended to be asleep. I didn't want him to know that I knew he was there. This was supposed to be my father, but every cell in my body told me to run. With the tiny cloud of light filtering the darkness from the slightly ajar door, it was enough to reveal the person walking around my room. I saw my dad's hair, his eyes, the stubble on his cheeks, but it simply was not my father. After about five minutes, I was drowning in panic. Leaving the room would mean having my back exposed to whatever was shuffling around in my room, but I had no choice. I had to leave. When he went to the storage area, I got out of my bed and tried to walk to the door as calmly as I could, especially since I still heard him moving around just a few feet behind me. I left and didn't look back. Once upstairs, I passed my parents' bedroom. I stopped dead in my tracks, walked back to get a better look, and there he was. My dad. My real dad. Sound asleep in bed. I slowly looked over my shoulder at the door that opens to the basement stairs and then back at my snoring father and mother and the rest of my family asleep in their beds. The tears burned my eyes and my stomach turned in on itself and a sense of violation so profound nearly dropped me to the floor. 
I ran to the bathroom to cry the terror out of my bones. I muffled my whimpering cries with my hands trying not to wake anyone. We've smudged the house on various occasions and blessed it. I don't have the courage to tell my family that I'm the one that needs the cleansing. Me being with them puts them at risk. It puts all my loved ones at risk. At risk. You'll see why, in a bit, why I've come to that conclusion. After I gathered myself, I stood at the basement door. I have to go back. I had to get my phone. Or did I already have it with me? I checked my pajama pockets and felt my cell. I must have grabbed it before I escaped. And that's what it felt like. An escape. But from what? At this point, I can't tell you if I went back downstairs to my room to get a blanket and pillow or if I found a spare upstairs. I just can't remember. I only remember making myself as safe as possible on the couch in the living room and waiting for sunrise. I'd be damned if I slept in the dark that night. As soon as the sun rays came through the large windows, I popped in my headphones, turned on my music, and allowed myself to close my eyes. I never told my family about this. I did, however, ask my mom if she had gone down the other night to turn on my lamps. She looked at me funny and said, no. I told her that I must have dreamt it. These could have been doppelgangers, but their energy, my history, demons can make themselves look like anything. Children, lovers, family. Eventually, I demanded that whatever entity was there was not welcomed nor allowed and that it had to leave. And I think it did. Sort of. I spent the night at my best friend's house years later. We're in our 30s now, but sleepovers are and will always be a thing. On this night, I crashed <clears throat> I crashed on her couch. Per usual, something woke me up. Last time I was at her apartment, it was the laughter, chanting, and disembodied voices coming from her hallway that woke me from a dead sleep. I heard them clear as a bell through my headphones. I took out the headphones and still heard the voices. Knowing there was nothing I could do about it, I put my headphones back in, turned up the volume, and played words with friends until I drifted to sleep. But this night was different. It was my friend's voice that woke me up. I can't remember the conversation, but we exchanged words back and forth. She asked, I answered, and vice versa. But it was not my friend. She sat on the couch opposite me and kept asking me to wake up. After the third time, I knew not to continue acknowledging it and talking to it, and especially not to look at it again. Eventually, the thing pretending to be my friend went quiet and I fell asleep. But then it happened again. She woke me up this time and she was sitting in front of me putting on her gym shoes, asking me to come out for a walk with her. It was my friend. It had her voice, her mannerisms, her face, her everything. But I dared not move or respond to it. I lay there and waited to get bored with my and waited for it to get bored with my neglect and leave. In the morning, I asked my real friend, just to cover my bases, if she was up at 3 a.m. asking me to go for a walk. She looked at me the way you look at someone with a bomb strapped to their chest and quietly replied, No. My friend's apartment is haunted. Her whole family has seen things move across the table and other activities, but their ghosts are kind. They think my friend's uncle and aunt that used to live there are hanging around. Not harmful in the least. That's how I know that the chanting I heard and the demon doppelganger are connected to me, not her or her family. Whatever this thing is, it wants me. But there are rules, of course. It had asked me to go with it, and and it didn't take me. There was some comfort in that, I suppose. I tried to ease myself into a false sense of security by pretending... It tried to ease me into a false sense of security by pretending to be my fucking parents. It's tried to grab me before, physically pulling me out of my bed by my ankles years back. It's tried to smother me with my pillow in one of my nesting dreams. Dreams where you think you're awake, but you're still asleep, repeating the nightmare over and over. But these weren't nightmares. When we sleep, the veil thins, and we are closer to that which dwells behind it. It's during this time that whatever is after me breaks through with ease and tries to murder me dead. 
I know that whatever has been following me since I was little will never stop following me. But now, for whatever reason, it or they can't touch me. Not like they used to. Not in the physical world, at least. I've always been prone to oddities and strangeness. I can tell if a place is haunted the moment I walk inside. The physical toll it takes on my body, both physically and mentally, and empathetically. I don't bother with the official blessings or smudging of my house anymore. It will do no good. I'm the one that needs it, but it won't work. There's something wrong with me. Something that prayer or smoke won't rid me of. There's no proper... There is no proper conclusion to this story. I'm still haunted, and as for the demon doppelganger, I do what I can to survive it and the others. I hope you enjoyed this true story, and I hope to one day hear it on your show. Annie from <laughs> Chicago. Annie from Chicago. I uh, Maybe just because we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. just with her dreams and then things that she's you know, seen waking and feeling like this, you know, these things are always going to be around in some sense, some capacity and never go away. Yeah. I was just thinking like, she should probably never do hallucinogens. Oh my God. Never. Talk about, mm-hmm. a, talk about a bad trip. Holy Hades. Like nope. If, if you're already seeing these things. I don't think she should do any drugs, actually. Dude, yeah. Because it just heightens everything. Eh, maybe weed. Just knock it. Just relax you. Some, nope. Sometimes it kind of makes me a little panicky. Yeah. Okay. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Maybe a bottle of wine. A, a, a nice Bordeaux. Oh, look at you with your wine. I totally guess. Uh, there's a red, right? Yeah. I just Good know, job. I, I it's like, a blend. I like that word. Okay. It's one of my favorite wines, so. Okay. Okay. A, a, a full-bodied Bordeaux. Okay. Well, now you're just talking shit. Oh, that doesn't make any sense? It depends. What region is it from? Where'd it come from? What are the notes? How comes, does it comes finish? from the Bordeaux region of France. France. <laughs> mm-hmm. Tell me more. What are the notes? Mm-hmm. Oak with a hint of cinnamon. <laughs> I doubt cinnamon. Maybe cherry? Chocolate? Maybe this Bordeaux is very cinnamony. And it's a hit. That's, C- that's what people want in their wine is cinnamon. Well, well, actually, though, I do love um, spiced wine. Like, and um, it's more of like a uh, like uh, European. Dog. No, what? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I heard Logan. Or maybe it was that Joe? I think it was Joe. Logan. Was Joe. Um, uh, no, it's like a like mold cider, like a hot wine that you. Mm. Oh yeah, put yeah, yeah. Seas- I know. I, spices I, and seasonings in, and you take it warm. It, yeah. You have you've had it at Brian Level's house. Okay, I don't All, remember. Well, do you remember the? I do remember. Was that, that the Christmas? Oh, that, yeah. yeah, that was a, that was unfortunate. Eek. Yeah, that was not unfortunate I, like that. It's just that Dan and I brought. I made a faux pas. It was. I think I was the one. Is my idea? Right? Was it your idea? Or was it together? We we, we I, were I in think, on it. I think collectively. But we have children that listen to this show, and I uh, don't think it would be appropriate to go into what we brought for the white elephant <laughs> gift. True. We we'll br- leave it at that, we, and let it let your imagination go as far as you think it uh, should go. Adult novelty. Just uh-huh. keep the words. A uh, they uh, got they got it. Yeah, okay. they got it. Once was enough, right. and then. Brian's mom and dad got those gifts we in the white was, elephant. Yep. We thought it was just going to be people our age and it was going to uh-huh. be loosey-goosey. And uh, a conservative set of uh, older parents were there. And that was the first gift opened. Oh, my God. And it was not... Uh, it was uh, not well-received. Not a bunch of guffaws. Not a bunch of laughs followed that. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think later Brian thought it was hilarious. I think a while later. He, he, was, he was pretty embarrassed. Uh, just be, Only because his parents were there. Right, of course. Yeah. And because they opened it, it's not just, it's not that they were just there. It's that that's the game. And, and and then they didn't know what it was exactly. And so then, then it got awkward. It got weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I take some blame for it because I'm an excellent gift wrapper. It may look like I, a really nice gift. I know that's the problem with the white elephant is that's the trick. <laughs> so I mean, technically, I kind of won that game. Mm-hmm. True. <laughs> true. <laughs> I was also thinking, like, uh, just that story was going with, like, you know, uh, when 
the oh my gosh, Amy, Annie, Annie in Chicago Annie, Annie was uh, Chicago. talking about Annie you know like <laughs> demons and doppelgangers and different things. Just imagine like the possibility of some future world where we have like uh, identified various species, if you will, <laughs> yeah. of the paranormal. How wild that would be! And it's like you know, like like you re- like they really were firmly. We had some kind of new camera mm-hmm. that just opened up. Uh, that whole world. No, no thank you. I'm, uh, well, I'm, like like Oculus VR goggles, but when you put them on, you see all this you shit. You only see demons and ghosts and cryptids. Like, what if like there? Can was... you see the good ones? Why not? Okay, sure, just making sure. Yeah, you can see good and bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh my god, that'd be so wild. And then you get to like, yeah, then we know like, oh, it's this kind of thing, and uh-huh. we know this this kind of thing's dangerous, and this kind of thing's tricky. We should capture those and kill them off. Mm-hmm. Let's just keep the good ones. Mm-hmm. This things. This one's good luck. Uh-huh. Put this one in a box. This and... one's good luck, Chuck. <laughs> exactly. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you want to go to Ohio? Nope. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we had a good show, and I think no. Yeah, yeah. I do want to go to Ohio. You are rude. I want to go. Well, no, we're not going to Ohio. You already said that. I want to go to Maine. No, we're going to Ohio, but the person now lives in Maine. Okay, that's story what I want to do. is still in Ohio. Got it. Ohio. Okay. O h i o. Okay. Ready, spaghetti? Yep. Okay. Lindsay, Dan, and the STD squad. <laughs> Greetings. My name is Molly, and I'm from Englewood, Ohio. Which, by the way, I have no clue where that is. Never heard of it. That's not. That's not the Englewood that uh, Dr. Dre. No, that's Englewood. This mm. is Englewood with an E. Yep. Mm-hmm. Whoopie whoop. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. I'm 31 years old and have lived in the beautiful state of Maine for about three years now. I'm a delivery driver for an organic food distributor. That's exactly what I imagine somebody in Maine doing. By the way, <laughs> it feels so apropos. True. Like Maine and Vermont. Uh-huh. I don't know how. If you that told me got you lived moving. in Vermont and you delivered granola bars, mm-hmm. I'd be like, "Yep, seems right." You made vegan fair trade ice cream. Mm-hmm. That at, could also be Berkeley, a, California, out of a recycled ice cream maker. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Carry on. I've just started listening to Scared to Death, and you two have me hooked. I'm almost caught up, and I've been binge listening ever since my supervisor put me onto the podcast. I love it, workplace like <laughs> co-listening. Yeah. Uh, the intro and outro give me chills every time, and I can't help but say it along with you guys. Listening to your mind-boggling, scary stories really helps this creep get through her long-ass days. Yes. So thank you, and keep up the awesome work and positivity. The Papa Bawa episode made me remember a series of experiences when I was about 10 or 11 years old, and I finally committed to send you this email. I wanted to share it with you all because it creeps me out to this day. Okay. Like, at the you gotta, like, stay focused till the end, and you're gonna be like, oh, boy. Okay. It was a night, like many others, sleeping in my room. Our house was fairly old, two-brick story house, a two-story brick house. My parents and I had our rooms on the first floor, and my brother's rooms were on the second floor. My room was in the far right corner of the house, right across from my parents' room with a bathroom between us. My bed was against the far wall in the corner between two windows. My closet is to the left, which was always closed, and the door to my bedroom was on that same wall just further away. This night was the start of a series of odd and fearful nights. I awoke suddenly, and my eyes went directly to the farthest corner of the room. The room held no color in the dark, just different shades of gray, while the shadows cast from the tree outside was unmoving against the silence. I knew it had to be late in the night. It was too quiet, and something felt heavy. The corner that my eyes fell upon was shrouded in an inky darkness, almost keeping the door from my view. But I could still see the brass door handle. Like being in a trance, I stared at the door handle as it began to jiggle. My eyes went wide. Ruling out telekinesis, was I hallucinating? Or was my mom and dad checking the doorknob for some reason? The shroud in the corner of the room made me feel extremely uncomfortable. 
I closed my eyes tightly. Just go back to sleep, I thought to myself. And somehow I did manage to go back to sleep. A couple of mornings later, I turned over in bed and my forehead was met with something hard. I woke up to find the shelf that hangs directly over my bed was somehow next to my head propped up against the side of my bed. You would think that if the shelf were to fall, it would have fallen directly on me, but somehow it managed to miss me completely and land on the floor, vertically at that. It looked as if someone had taken it down and propped it up to lean it against my bed. I showed my mom and she simply said, huh, you must have someone watching over you. Like I mentioned before, oh, I think I missed that part. Well, in case I didn't mention it before, I was raised in a Baptist home, though I've been pagan my whole life. I believe in the paranormal, the supernatural, gods and goddesses, myths and legends. I believe that dreams are more than just dreams. Feelings are, aren't just feelings and instincts should be followed without question. I believe that anything you can think of has possibility of existing somewhere out in the infinite and infinitesimal universe. The idea of a spirit guardian is not far-fetched to me. So younger me thought to myself, yeah, something must be watching over me. And at the time, it was comforting until. A few nights after the shelf incident, I was suddenly awoken and I sat up quickly in bed. The room was in grayscale again, but something felt very off and the darkness felt heavier than it did the night my doorknob moved. My fingers gripped onto my comforter and I bit my lip as I laid back down just as quickly as I had sat up, pulling the blanket up over my shoulders, turning onto my side to face the wall. I tried to get comfortable again and while trying to convince myself that it was just my imagination. I shut my eyes, but the shroud that had felt like it became thicker and heavier and even quieter somehow continued. And that's when I felt it. A hand pressed down on my foot and wrapped its fingers around it. I laid there frozen with my eyes clenched shut. Then another hand, only up higher on my calf, pressed down on me as I felt it coming from the end of my bed. There was no way I was going to open my eyes. I kept them shut, closing them even tighter as, the sh as my shoulders raised up towards my ears, instinctually recoiling from whatever was coming for me. This was no guardian angel. Onto my hip it landed next as it came higher and higher upon me. It was up to my shoulders as it dragged its body flush against mine, weighing down my mattress. It felt so heavy, even my mind felt clouded as it crawled slowly up my body until it pressed its face against the side of my head and growled deeply in my ear, a growl that shook me to my core as I felt the weight press further into the mattress, my shoulders just under my ears. There was no escape. I was literally pinned to my bed as the growl became louder and louder, multitonal even. It echoed into my mind and vibrated through me. I felt like minutes, it felt like minutes, but it couldn't have been more than 10 seconds. My instincts were screaming at me to do something, just anything. I clenched my teeth and willed myself to move. Just move. No, I said firmly, and then I shook my body with one big jerk. I was sitting up in bed again, breathing heavily with my eyes darting around the room. The growl had silenced and the weight upon me was gone and I was alone in the room. I'm not sure what tried to prey on me, but it never came back. Much love from a witchy creep, Molly. And what the hell? Yeek. So brave. <laughs> no. <laughs> Meanwhile, eyes clenched. What do you do? Are your eyes clenched, not looking, hoping it goes away? Or are you staring this thing down as it's climbing up your body? Ooh, I, I know. It's I a tough one. Don't. Man, I, I wouldn't want to see it. But I think, like, if something was on me, like touching me, like, like, like that phys physical interaction, yeah, I, I, I have to look. I think so. I don't. 
I'm too scarier to yeah. I yeah, have to look. It's scarier look. not to know, right? Mm-hmm. No matter, no matter, almost no matter what you see. I mean, I mean, it's going to be awful. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather know than not know. Oh, absolutely. I think. I, think. I don't know because then there are these moments when like I'm in bed and I think I see something and I'm just like, okay, just close your eyes. It's not there. I surround myself with love. But and if light, something's like crawling I, up on you, I, I mean. I know. My, I think. I think instinct would automatically be like, "Is it a person? Is it like? Uh, Is just, it the dog? Just to make sure. Just to make sure." But that was like an aggressive, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not mm-hmm. just like a little <sighs> brush with something and something grabbing onto you. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Uh, yeah. Well, at least at least at least the the firm no got it out of there. I'd always imagine them doing like a body wave, <laughs> like no. That's so weird too. That there is like so many of these stories of something like you know physically attacking, pinning somebody, tormenting Heart them. Attacks. <laughs> no, I, I was saying like like yes, like, like doing something, and, and then the person's like no, oh. or some version of like a verbal command, uh, and then these things, you know, a lot of stories like do go away. Well, okay, like, so that that is a, a prominent what? belief that like. Mm-hmm. What you don't invite can't come in. Like what you don't Why allow not? can't get you. I don't know. I don't know the the rules right. of, you know, consensual hauntings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I don't know how it works. But you know, uh, that that is a common thing that it's like you have to tell it to go. That's yeah. why when we have any visitors in our house, I want them to go because they could be good, which I haven't felt my grandma in a while. So, you know, it, I just think it's better to have yeah. them go and not risk them tricking you or I don't yeah. know. Huh. Even when they feel good, it makes me a little like, I don't know, I think you got to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because what, what else could you bring with you? True, true. I thought it was pretty funny that the mom was like, oh, someone must be looking out for you. Yeah, early on. It's yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> you're not at all concerned that that shelf could That shelf could like, yeah, smash me? Mm-hmm. Okay, mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you said like, like like that rule, that commonly held belief. There's a show I watched on Netflix. It's not... I don't think it's nearly as good as Squid Game. Okay. Me personally. It's called Hellbound. Oh, yeah. You've been watching that for a while now. Yeah, I finished it. I mean, it's not too many episodes. I think they're going to probably do season two. But it, uh, without spoiling anything, it's like there, there is no rejecting these entities. That's like a interesting element on this. Uh, you can't get rid of them? No. Oh. Once, once they come for you, like they're just coming. Mm. Um, no which, amount which of is, crystals? Nope. Okay. No. Well, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything. Okay. But, but oh. like, yeah. But like crystals are the answer. All no. Right. <laughs> well, now I don't want to say anything. But yeah, okay, but, but, okay. but that's a big part of the show. Is it like that's what you know the extra scary part is like it's inevitable. Like once you like this thing's coming for you, it's just going to get you. That is a terrifying thought to think like once you see something on the other side, mm-hmm. that they have also seen you see them, and now it's on. There's some what's that author like? Uh, it's some quote about like. Um, be careful uh, if you stare into the abyss; it might stare back. Mm. Ah, it's a uh, that's a par- that's a paraphrase. Okay, but yeah, it makes me think of that. You'll remember momentarily. I I thought um, Wait, I, you I, were scribbling down I, notes. Like, no, I I let go of it. Well, part of that was from the first. Oh yeah, the classification thing. Okay, but also I just loved it was a, it was a simple word slip, but it sent me to an imagination place. Real quick, I pulled myself out of it. That's okay. You, you told me to focus. Tell, tell me what you did. It, it was when you just said the two the two brick story house. And, <laughs> I and know, I, and I thought of the tiniest little house. <laughs> That's a sad little house when you only got two bricks. You got a brick house? Yeah, but it's pretty small. Yeah, it's just two it's just bricks. Just two bricks. There was a word. Three that... blind mice lived there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right there. It's like the three little pigs, but you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was a new word. Inf- infinitesimal. In- in- infinitesimal. 
Is that I how think, you said it? I think. I meant to look it up and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Sometimes I'll like uh, work my way through a story and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I need to go back and double check how to pronounce that and put my little pronunciation guides in there. I'll, I'll, you know, we're going to solve this mystery. Are you going to ask dictionary.com Emily or dictionary? No, I prefer uh, em, Emily Sains or whatever it is. Emily says. Emily says is good for like sometimes geographical places in oh. Fen. Inf, uh, how do you spell in, it? Oh, um, I can't remember. In, in, like infinite. Oh, that's right. I had a. Uh, um, and then S I M A L. Infinitesimal? Oh my Inf- gosh. Infinitesimal? <laughs> Infinitesimal. <laughs> oh, whoa. I, there's no. That's crazy that it's not in here. Is it not a word? <gasps> no, it is. Annie, did you trick me? Infin. Oh. I don't know. I can't figure. I, I just can't figure out how to spell it. I N F I. Oh, there we go. Uh, I was I was missing. There's a lot of eyes. Here we go. Infinitesimal. There's an extra I. Infinitesimal. In I said it wrong my whole life. Infinitesimal. Well, I've never said that word ever before today. It's indefinitely or exceedingly small, minute, immeasurably mm. small, less than any assignable quantity. Okay. Well, that's interesting because the infinitesimal. sentence is infinitesimal. Because hmm. she says, I believe that anything you can think of has a possibility of existing somewhere out in the infinite. So, yeah. Wide or infinitesimal. Infinitesimal, tiny. yeah. So in, in, tiny. In, infin- infinitesimal. Do it again. Infinite. No. Oh, not me. This person. Infinitesimal. 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 I, I like his inflections. Infinitesimal. <laughs> no one is saying that word that way. No, no. He infinitesimal. Just, he's, he's really breaking it down for you. I like it. Thank you, robot. Infinitesimal. Infinitesimal. Infin- uh, Let's sing a, a song about it. That'd be a weird person to, to meet. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Are you infinitesimal? <laughs> Just very abrupt. Like, I want to bring that person to a dinner party. That'd be so <laughs> fucking great. <laughs> Let me pour a glass of Bordeaux. <laughs> Let us explore the infinite and the infinitesimal. <laughs> I want this guy to come to dinner. Like slam the I want to take guy. you to a dinner party in, with people who've never met you. Oh my god! And, that's and you I talk. talk like that, and then you have to we have to make up some um, disease thing I have, like <laughs> a brain kind of thing. It, it's like a like, like a ro- ro- yeah, like a robot. It's like a ro- like robot syndrome. Yeah, but we have to like give it like a way scientific. Yeah, name. yeah. You come up with a better name, and I like but, I like but him. known as mm-hmm. commonly known as he was he colloquially. Was, yep, he was fine, and then when he was seventeen, he had a head injury, and he's talked like a robot ever since. Yeah. Infinitesimal kind of sounds like a disease. It That's does. True. So you could do that. No oh. one will catch it. No one will catch <laughs> it. And then it's an inside joke. Infinitesimal syndrome. He has infinitesimal syndrome. Mm-hmm. What's that? Well, it's when you sound like a robot. <laughs> Let me explain. <laughs> infinitesimal syndrome is when you have had a head injury. The... And your brain gets small. <laughs> <laughs> you. It is also known as tiny brain syndrome. <laughs> Just weird. <laughs> Would you it. like a drink? I am going to the kitchen. <laughs> We have to hit the kitchen. I am going to the kitchen. Like a kitchen. Uh-huh. Like a little bit slower. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, uh. I am ha- I am having a great time at this party. <laughs> That's it. Okay. Oh, man. That's a fun guy. That is a great character. I hope you can use him in Time Suck soon. <laughs> he is highly entertaining. Okay. okay. I love him. Good to know. Oh, God. That really killed me. Okay. Do you want to go first? you want me to go first? I would like you to go first. All of them. No, that's a bit dry. No one will be listening by the end of this. Are you kidding me? They love it. <laughs> Peyton McGrew. I'm sorry. I would like to thank the following Annabelles for supporting us on Patreon. Peyton McGrew, Bethany Matos, Ryan Bricker, Lorraine Sturgeon, Craig Schumacher. Oh, man. Skibidibi-weebop. <laughs> 
Skibba-da-bee-wee-bop. <laughs> exactly. Herschel Gold, Kyler Gardner, Regina Falange? No way. That's great. Sherlocked. <laughs> Danielle Atkinson, Gabriella Robinson, Michael McKinster, Marie Guise, Dustin Brown, Jade Samuelson, Nikki Romig, Stephanie Patterson, Lisa Brown, Jade Soto, Ricky Trimp, 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 T R I M P E, Trimpy, Trimpy, yeah, Ricky Trippy, Trimpy, Michelle Schwery, Brandon Cassio, Sarah Wilson, Brandon Schroeder, and Nick Winkleman. Mr. Cassio. Mr. Makes me think of sweet-ass keyboards and watches. I'm sure he's heard it all. I'm sure. Uh, or maybe he's really young and he hasn't. Good luck with your names. Okay, give me some tough ones. Yeah. Uh, I would like to thank the following Annabelles. Micah Horton. Singe Nikolaisen. Laura Chmueski. <laughs> Anna Paulina. Leandra Juarez. Samantha Sly. Corrine Strangefield. <laughs> Hope Buller Dick. Emily Dingman. Colton Unden. Megan Alford. Zach Bishop. Morgan Mitch Meekin. Cassandra Ganster. Ryan Faircloth. Cape Town Carl. That's better than Hot Carl. Cape Town Carl. Cape Town Carl. Uh, Rebecca Martins. Madeline Nason. Ivy Iverson. Marvin Smith. Joe Jackson. Amelia Tukiaroni. <laughs> Tushiron? I have no idea. Darren Gatcomb. Robin M. Fisher. Um, who? Uh-huh. Hala, Hala, Brendis John's daughter. <laughs> that is an Icelandic person. I would bet, I would bet you 90% chance. Hala, thank you for listening from Iceland. The Iceland? Definitely Nordic. I'm going to say for sure Nordic. For sure but I Nordic. Think, I think Icelandic. Okay. It's, it feels Icelandic to me. Okay, you can let us know. Yeah. Those are Icelandic out of all the you know different regions of the world with like time suck. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like with these words. Just like so many of the words. I'm like, there's so many consonants. I know. The consonant to vowel ratio is off the charts. It's very, very uneven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I have a few spooky shout outs. Okay. To Terry from your daughter Jennifer, oh, from your daughter Jennifer Carroll, happy birthday. To Ryan from your mom Raven, happy eighth birthday, you little peeper. That's <laughs> awesome. I love it. Eight. <laughs> That's cute. You're a brave guy. To okay, this is so funny. To Jaylee, aka Bitty Bitch from Aunt <laughs> Hazel, aka Princess Bitch, happy birthday and welcome to the Bitch Club. She sent me this whole email. It's like this hysterical inside joke in their family, and like I think it's when you turn thirteen, you get to enter the Bitch Club okay. and you get to like pick your name. I mean, you get it's to so be, funny. Is there? Do they have a boss bitch? Uh, like I can't a, remember. Like she told head, me like, like the matriarch. I don't know. She told me like a variety oh. of. It was a while ago. I read it, but I just remember thinking that was so funny. <laughs> To Fritz from Freya, I love you, and I can't wait to spend the rest of my life with you. And to Frankie from Brittany, happy birthday. Oh, so much love. And that is our show. Thank you for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. You can email us for everything else, info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks to Logan Keith, Liz Hernandez for the work on social media, and to Logan again for running badmagicmerch.com. Thank you again to Joe Paisley for producing and directing today, Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation, Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails, and to book editor Drew, book editor, edit, book editor, editor, Drew, book editor, Drew Atana. 
for helping to format the listener stories each week. Uh, I love this so much. <laughs> thanks to producer Sarah Finch and Ali- producers Sarah Finch and Olivia Lee for a little collab on today's second story. I found the first. Enjoy your nightmares, creeps, and peepers. Hope you were scared to death. To death. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through but have no home here within scared to death. Magic Productions. When you visit a state as big and diverse as Texas, there are a million different trips you can take. Let's say you've got an appetite for whitewater kayaking. You can get your own. So this is why they call it Devil's River. Trip to Texas. Or maybe you have an actual appetite. I'll take a pound of brisket, six ribs, uh, three links of sausage, and a, a piece of pecan pie. Trip to Texas. Go to TravelTexas.com slash get your own for the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel.